Good evening, dandies. Welcome to Undetermined, the podcast. Matt, that uh, that little sound kind of um, started um, started to disappear. Yeah, it seems like it's gone down a little bit, so we can probably, I, we, there's a good chance I can fix it and post. We'll see. I'm not that worried about it. We've had definitely worse sounding oh, podcasts. Yeah. We talked, <laughs> I've told this story a bunch of times before, like our worst sounding podcast. There's a music producer, just like super, super famous, you know, produced like bands like the Pixies and Nirvana. Nirvana. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, all these it's just like high profile and we had him on and uh he it was the worst sounding like episode that we had like he was in it, his studio and he was just using his little laptop microphone and there was a fan blowing and it just sounded awful yeah like but he was just like yeah and he was just like yeah let's go with it. all the people to have like a just a crap sounding mic yeah i would not have expected it to be you <laughs> right and he didn't care he was just like yeah let's go for and it no he didn't care but it, on the plus side as somebody that was like editing it like man i i didn't want to have to really have perfect sound for like the most incredible sound engineer it was like there's no fixing it so he kind of did me a favor right right so just, no expectations there huh? <laughs> <laughs> right there was no fixing it well i tell you what guys you've made history with me this is the very first uh, podcast that I've ever participated in. Oh, right on! Now I've watched, right on. I've watched several. This, this, Matt, you've made history and with me and Go Class of '89, Zizzer Nation. There you uh, go. Yeah, Matt, Matt Langston made it possible. Thank you very much. I'm I'm glad that I could do it. Or bringing in our senior class vice president. Oh, yes, man. you've created a monster. I know. <laughs> I'll be the podcast junkie going forward, you know? <laughs> we're glad to have you on. So we're Absolutely. talking to my old classmate. We've been classmates. We were just talking about it since like preschool. Oh, wow. Rocket Oaks, the third. And I'm so glad that uh, the lunch money that I stole from Matt, I, I, I gave it back to him <laughs> and we made up over the years. And now we're friends. And <laughs> this is great. Uh. I'm just joking. I wasn't a bully, Matt. Tell him I wasn't a bully. <laughs> no, you weren't. You weren't. <laughs> I was big enough to be, but I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah. Nobody wanted to really mess with you too much that, that I can remember, but you were always nice. I, I, I never had a problem with you. I don't think we ever had a beef. No, no, no. I Like I said, I gave you back the lunch money and well, it helped that Matt's mom was uh, my teacher, you know, coming up in the over the years so and she was one of the most beloved teachers in, in all of our seven so that's always helpful matt absolutely yeah, yeah. you didn't tell your viewers that did you <laughs> my mom definitely has a reputation in west plains and you know i kind of wanted at that time i didn't really want it highlighted that that was my mom when mm. i was in school yeah who would you know now i'm, I'm going to tell you something worthy of highlighting matt now wasn't your first cousin Stephanie Henry and uh, Anne Elizabeth Henry. Yep. I uh, see. So you didn't think I knew that. Now that would be something worth highlighting. Yeah. Probably the two most gorgeous girls in all of high school. Mm -hmm. 
was Matt's first cousin. So he, mm-hmm. he drafted off of that, I'm sure, very nicely. I've got <laughs> a lot of good-looking cousins. You do. Deborah Lefevers. Yes, Deborah is your cousin. That's yeah. right, yes. Yeah. Oh, the, I, I forgot about the Lefevers connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. D- Daniel and uh, Doug. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Made it hard to be your friend. <laughs> especially as a transplant when like nobody knew me because you know i really wanted to hit on his cousins and his <laughs> exactly <sister>. <laughs> maybe <laughs> he can put in a good word for you or something you know right. Matt, hook him up <laughs> good looking ladies but yeah no yeah. i just i yeah i drifted off uh beyond the langston clan to find my find my girl down there but uh <laughs> okay you married a uh yeah. you married a zizzer I did. did. I did. Uh, Kelly Planer. Uh, she was, and we were talking about you just the other day. She remembers you. She's like, you know, I, I asked, it's like, do you, do you know Crocodiles? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hometown football hero. And uh, man, just done a lot for the community. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm just being turned on to him now. I, you know, you're a few years older than me. Okay. Okay. Don't rub it in, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kick a man when he's down, John. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was in uh, Kami's class. I was in uh, Matt's uh, brother's class. So. Okay. I remember Kami. As yeah. a matter of fact, I think Kami's my neighbor, right? He lives Might back, be. O- back over here behind the country club. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty close to the country club. Yeah. yeah. He's down in there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I think I even met his uh, wife. Uh, she's a walker around the neighborhood, and I think I may have, may have met her one evening. Yes. Probably. Ida. Yeah. But you uh, you lived in uh, uh, Texas for a while, and you moved back to West Plains, right? I did. I, I've actually lived, man, I tell you, since high school, I lived in Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Uh, then I went down to Texas, and then from Texas I moved to the Netherlands, and then from the Netherlands to Nigeria, and then back to Houston, and uh, then to Ukraine, and after Ukraine, West Plains. Uh, wow. a, stint, a stint in Houston, and then back to West Plains. Or, correction, correction, I'm leaving out St. Louis, St. Louis, and then West Plains. Wow. You've had some adventures, man. Yeah. I feel a bit like Forrest Gump, Matt, you know, (laughs) the awesome movie Forrest Gump, how he just kept finding himself in situation is that it was always accidental. Right. Uh, That I I compare my life uh, somewhat to Forrest Gump, man. I think that's kind of the way to live though, man. I think you've got, it gives you more stories in my opinion. Really? I tell you when, when I don't, try to create a story uh that's when the story comes it's funny mm. the things that i ever tried to create stories about and try to uh really go out and hit a hit a big one as we say uh you know really hit your lick those are the situations that didn't pan out for me it, it, so it's the accidental the accidental uh issues that uh, ended up faring the best for me in life huh yeah. I'll tell you guys an interesting story. You'll like that since we're on the podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my uh, time as a special agent with the FBI. Yeah. yeah. So so there I was in Houston as a special mm-hmm. agent of the FBI working at the Houston division. I remember my mentor, I'll drop his name, George Smith, uh, telling me that I should gravitate to something that I I would have interest in, but necessarily not like to do, uh, and, and, and gravitate to a job that someone, someone else doesn't want to do, mm. you know, do, take, take the, uh, the trash jobs, 
the junk job, so to speak. And so Mm -hmm. I found myself uh, as the asset forfeiture coordinator for the Houston division. And that job led me to uh, probably the biggest case that I ever worked uh, in my bureau career, which was Enron. Oh, wow. So I was, I ended up being the uh, asset forfeiture coordinator Hmm. for the Enron investigation. And who would have ever thought that Enron would end up being, um, or at least we didn't at the time as the case was evolving, we never thought that it would end up being a, a case study for, you know, years and years, decades to come about what corporate greed and um, lack of governance and compliance would uh, result uh, in yeah. a catastrophic failure by, you know, the, the number one company um, in the world at that time. I remember just being horrified when the details were coming out on that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine if you had any one ounce of an investment in that company and uh, <laughs> to, to, to watch it unravel on the news and, and, and basically uh, uh, come to understand that your money was totally lost and that it was you know, corporate greed that was the, uh, the causation of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And that trickled down the line to so many people, you know, it did. um, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Even my in-laws, uh, you know, they lost a lot in that, it did. um, you know, and they were just, you know, average hardworking people in Springfield, Missouri. Um, uh, but a lot of their stocks were tied up in that, hey. you know, and, and I, I don't think any, like, you know, I don't think they even chose it. I think it was just something that their corporation did, right. Uh, you know, right. to kind of pit in. And, uh, yeah, lost just about everything. It's like, you know, you don't tell your broker, you know, really what companies to invest in, per se. You right. Invest in the winners. Invest in the ones that's going right. to yield, yield the most uh, <laughs> return on investment. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Enron was, uh, you know, uh, the favorite favorite son of the investment world back then. And, yeah. uh, wow, uh, so many people lost. But, anyway, was very proud to be a part of that investigation. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Give you a few sleepless nights? Uh, You know, just once we started to realize the scale of the fraud and what they were actually spending money on and what they were actually, you know, telling telling their constituents and employees. So, for instance, you know, Ken Lay, Jeff Skilling, Andrew Fastow, they were touting invest, invest, Um, you know, the, the more of your... Uh, salary you invest in Enron stock, the richer you're going to be, you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and, and all the while they were selling, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. they were selling their stock, you know, right. so they were basically using that new uh, investment funds to fund their payouts. Wow. And that's just, that's just, cri- that's just criminal. It's criminal. It's, right. it's, it's derelict. It's, it's all adjectives that uh, support bad behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Did you face any uh, personal backlash from that or, or anything? No, no. I mean, at, at the time, you know, uh, being uh, with the FBI investigating Enron was uh, a, a feather in anyone's cap. Um, you know, be, being a part of the solution to uncover corporate fraud, waste, and abuse uh, was was viewed as a good thing uh, in, in every circle. And trailblazerous, uh, certainly within the law enforcement c- circles, because that type of fraud had never been discovered, had never been investigated. You know, the, the, the fraud that I'm describing is is basically that corporate greed at the very highest echelons of the company, you know, being complicit and actively putting structures in place within their corporate uh, setting to perpetrate the fraud, you know. 
selling, offloading their their loss um, as a company to shell companies so that their balance sheet could look better. Yeah, I mean, pretty ingenious. But who would who would have ever thought that um, the number one company? You would have thought all these experts and analysts kicking the tires and looking at this thing would have figured it out long ago. Well, sure enough, some of them did. <laughs> They actually did. Right. They figured it out. And because so much money was swirling and they were so big that their voices were largely ignored, you know. And so let that be the lesson of the day. <laughs> yeah, listen, I hope so. Listen to those who are closest to right. the issues, irrespective of where they fall in the pecking order. Right. Yeah, when something seems too good to be true, maybe that's the time to listen to the people that are saying, hey, here's the thing you might want to check out because I think this is kind of shady. Exactly. Exactly. I tell you, it's for me, it's like, and I, you know, who knows? Your, your, your viewers may take exception to this, but crypto, crypto scares me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cryptocurrency scares, scares me because I, I can't figure out what's backing it. <laughs> I can't. I can't figure out, you know, what what is the entity that that will, you know, to 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 a certain extent assure you uh, the money. What is the tender? Right. <laughs> you know? And it seems to be the only answer to that is, well, you know, I mean, money's not backed by the gold standard either. And it's like, yeah, but it's also backed by numerous countries and entities throughout the world. So are we just pitching the idea that the economy is imaginary? And if we do that, is this just a destabilization attempt? Or, you know, is this an attempt to reclaim uh, something that we're doing? And it's it's scary. Like you say, it's it's backing something that uh, just, you know, I, I don't know that I have any skin in the game for. You know, at a, at a minimum, I say at least currency mm-hmm. has, has a paper you know, it, you can have a visual of right, the money trail. that you have. Yeah. You you can at least have a visual of it in your hand. Right. You stack it in your room if you're as rich as Matt, you know, and have right. it all everywhere. Just <laughs> <in your> room, <laughs> right? But, Absolutely. But with crypto, I mean, what, what what do you have other than some, you know, electrons on your laptop or right. on your phone that you can uh-huh. look at every now and again? For me, that's not enough. I got to have it in my hand. Right. Sometimes, at least. Sometimes. Right. And what's going to happen when that currency split, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's beyond me. I I get lost really quickly when we start getting into these really complicated financial ideas. You know, it's one of those things where if crypto is truly the next best thing coming and it's going to make, you know, all these people rich, like the dot-com boom, I I guess just like the dot-com boom, I'm going to miss it. Yeah. I'm going right. to miss it. <laughs> I guess I'll just be stuck to work for for my living, uh, you know, right. uh, the rest of my life. I won't hit it big with an investment opportunity, I guess, if it's if it rests within crypto. Uh, right. Yeah. But, man, you're, I mean, you're doing great things, um, you know, and that's what's important. I mean, just looking at, uh, you know, your resume and, and one of the big things that sparked this uh, uh, conversation was your work here on, on C.D. Brown Cemetery. Right. Something that's just, you know, very interesting to me. I mean, we've been talking about this all day, my wife and I. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And gosh, I mean, yeah, we can come back to, if you could even talk about Kiev, uh, we can come back and talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right. We'll, 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 hit, we'll hit Kiev. I lived there for a period of time and, and have a deep affection for the Ukrainian people and 
Uh, my prayers and hearts go out uh, to them uh, for what they're going through right now. It's not right. It's not fair. The world needs to respond in kind to Moscow yeah. to let them know uh, where we stand uh, against their actions. Absolutely. We're definitely on the same page with that. Yeah. But, but I can tell you, uh, uh, you know, uh, a pet project of mine that's near and dear to my heart here in West Plains is the Sadie Brown Cemetery. It gives my, my, my heart, my face smiles whenever I talk about um, what we're trying to do out there to just make that cemetery and, and it's, you know, descendants and the people who are buried there just, just help the overall storyline of what Sadie Brown has meant to the community and its descendants for all these years. And so there, there are some exciting things that have taken place and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. For instance, we uh, uh, were able to uh, work with MSU um, Center for Archaeological Research yes. uh, out of Springfield to uh, get them to agree to come down and help us do uh, some discovery about the cemetery, specifically unmarked graves. Mm-hmm. So over, you know, um, a pressing question that is always asked of me is how did the graves become unmarked? Um, right. It's 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 really a product of the era of time. Mm. Um, right. pe- pe- people, African-Americans, you know, from the um, inception of the cemetery uh, wasn't um, socioeconomically advantaged. Right. Hence, they now didn't have money for tombstones, and they used sticks um, in some instances, boulders in other instances, to mm. mark headstones. And the family knew exactly where that boulder uh, was placed and, and what it represented, and that's what they used to mark loved ones' tombstones. Mm. You know, Usher Ford uh, technology. Um, uh, the lawnmower was invented. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and, and what is the enemy of the lawnmower? Uh, right. you know, sticks and boulders <laughs> and things of that mm-hmm. sort. So what ended up happening over time was that, as we say, corporate memory was lost with uh, what exactly that boulder represented. And so it was discarded and lawnmowers. So the, the cemetery was nice and pretty and mowed. But away went those those grave markings, and so what they're helping us to do is use technology, um, forensic technology, in certain certain instances to uh, identify grave impressions. And then once we identify those grave impressions, and right now the initial um, uh, research of that suggests that there's probably well over a hundred graves that are uh, in fact there and unmarked. Wow! And, and so. Once we get them properly uh, identified, the next phase will be to secure funding to get um, tombstones to, to provide for proper marking of those yeah, graves. That's awesome. That's great. Of course, we, we won't know who is buried where, but we'll have a good indication through public records that we secured through the West Plains Gazette, um, West Plains Quill, um, you know. Pretty much uh, anyone that dies in this region, uh, if they die uh, of natural causes or either recognized causes, causes, uh, it's it's published in the paper, right? Uh, right. <laughs> so it always publishes the uh, where they were interred, um, and so we're able to correlate those records to the records that we have for Sadie Brown Cemetery to know pr- pr- pretty high degree of certainty who's buried there, but where they're buried um, has been lost over the years. 
Wow. So that'll be at least something, something that we can get back, give back to the descendants of the community. Yes. And, and just to clarify for everybody, uh, you know, if you're not from the area or, or anything, the Sadie Brown Cemetery is an African-American cemetery that, uh, and you, I'm sure know much more about the history of it than, than I do, but uh, it was established when? In the mid 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. 1800s. 1800s. The 1800s. And um, it was uh, established by Reverend St. Legger Brown. Now, we believe that the cemetery, actually, that burial site was actually there before uh, St. Legger Brown went to D.C. and signed up and was the recipient of a, uh, a homestead allotment by the U.S. government in like the 1870s. Oh, I didn't know it was a homestead assignment. That's cool. It was It was uh, St. Legger Brown um, received 80 acres, um, you know, 40 for he and then 40 uh, for his wife, Sarah. Uh, Brown, um, and it was appointed to them, and they call it call it the Dry Creek Township, the Dry Creek Township in Pomona, Missouri. Mm. And so yeah. he tra- traveled uh, from D.C. to Pomona, started farming his land. Um, we believe that that cemetery, there was a few burial sites already in that location that, that his eighty acres happened to be a part of, and so over time it, it, it started. Uh, becoming known as the uh, Brown Cemetery after St. Legger Brown, Reverend St. Legger Brown passed away in like 19, I think it was like 1911, 1912. I don't have those records right here in front of me, but after he passed away, his 80 acres um, was reallocated to satisfy quote unquote debt. And, and so whether it was true debt or not, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it sounds a little shady. Y- yeah. I mean, you think about it. He was a, um, you know, African-American in the early uh, 1900s um, that had received land from a homestead act. Right. And, and then after he passed away, of course, women back then uh, weren't um, land owners. Uh, then uh, these these note of debt um, came, and in order for him to satisfy his debt in death, he lost, she lost, as it were, Sarah Brown lost mm-hmm. all of the land with the exception of that that had been de- designated a cemetery, which is which is now known as the Sadie Brown Cemetery. And so, yeah, it's, you know, I've got grandparents out there, my great grandmother, uh, the, the most prolific storyteller I think uh, I've ever heard uh, at 90 something years old um, to this very day. She, she I, you know, I would go down after church and listen to her tell stories about just life and her family and uh, the, the, the old days, um, you know, for about. 30 minutes to an hour after church every Sunday. And, you know, back then she was 90 something years old. So she told me about how her parents were uh, freed slaves and growing up in uh, the Arkansas in Bowdoin area, in Bowdoin, Pocahontas area. Uh, Very, very, I was a blessed young man to be uh, privy to those stories about the family. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize well, it at the time, but uh, yeah, now yeah. I value those stories. Uh, and for people that don't know, West Plains, I mean, the black population is what, like 1%? Uh, if even? 
If even, if even, I mean, and, and it's funny because back then, Matt, when we were growing up, I didn't, you know, I, I thought that there was uh, very few uh, African-Americans that lived uh, in West Plains back then, but it's even less now. <laughs> I mean, back, right. Back, back then, you know, there was probably uh, yeah. a good, you know, 50 to maybe 100 families um, between the Oakses, Bush, Give Hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Forbes, uh, you know, between those, yeah. those families, um, you know, uh, th- there, were, there was probably you know, maybe 50, 50 African-Americans uh, yeah. when I was growing, growing up. Uh, and now I think there's even fewer, uh, here. Wow. And certainly if there are more, um, uh, the African-American community is not as knowledgeable of each other as they used to be. Um, now, right. so, yeah. Uh, yeah. maybe it's, and I always want to ask, yeah, like was that weird? But then at the same time, that was what you knew. Yeah, I, I saw. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Now you know every, everyone asks how I ended up in West Plains. Primarily, those folks that uh, have met me, uh, you know, in the the latter years of my life. There, you know, when hmm. I explain to them where I'm from, they look at me and they were like, "Well, how'd you get down there?" <laughs> Here, here's, right. here's what really blows their mind. I'll say, my father was actually born there too. And they yeah. look at me like your family goes up. back. They look at me like, shut up, really? <laughs> I'll go watch this, watch this. My grandfather came there in like nineteen, you know, twenty, thirty something with his mother from Arkansas, you know, and so we were there literally at the turn of the century. Uh, so yeah, that, that that just blows the top off people's heads. No, your family is old West Plains history. You know, mine is too. Yeah, we, we've yeah. been there for a while. Yeah, wasn't the uh, Howell Cemetery originally the uh, Langston Cemetery? Even was that? Your was people? it? I don't know. I think so. I think that's right. I think yeah, Matt's being right. modest. Yeah. I, I think. Uh, I think that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell so. you, you know, as a kid growing up, Matt, you could probably appreciate this too. And then when we went off to college. You know, we were <laughs> kind of nonchalant. Yeah, we had Zizzer Pride, Zizzer Nation, and all of that, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize how it. You know how it resonated uh, in the, in the big city. But now I tell you my, my pride and awareness of the Ozarks and West Plains specifically in my high school and the, the deep relationships that I, that I've had uh, over the years with just, just people that I've known literally all my life. Uh, it really means yeah. something like Matt. I mean, I've known this cat since I was like, I can't think of a time. I didn't know you three, four but, years old. Yeah. Then. It's, right. It's, it's crazy. Wow. Like, People don't have these types of relationships. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah, they don't. No, they don't. And speaking of, of community, now are people still being interred there at Sadie? Yes. Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, our last burial was um, 2017. Oh. It was my um, great aunt that passed away. Mm. Aunt Merle mm-hmm. passed away, and um, she was the last person to be buried there that we know of. <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. The last person to be buried there officially. Yes. Yeah. So, do you have to like look out to make sure you're not going to like since there's so many unmarked graves? That you have is to be careful, like plotting out. That is an excellent question, and 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 you know this this effort that that we've uh, embarked upon is going to help us with all of that. Uh, my dad tells a story uh, about when he was a kid. It was the old timers, the men of the community, the African American community off of Washington street hmm. when you know go to the sadie brown cemetery and 
physically, manually, with shovels, dig the graves after they got off work. Mm. Uh, whenever someone in the community would pass away. Mm. And they would go down, um, you know, five, six feet deep and hit a casket, uh, an unmarked grave. And they would hit a casket. So that, that, that you know, uh, o- over time, you know, shovels gave way to backhoes. Oh, and so yeah. when, that, when that does happen, they just cover that hole back up. Right. And mark it as, you know, uh, found, it's no longer an unmarked grave. It's a found grave and they've moved to another area. Right. So it's an imperfect science. Long answer to your, your good question. It's an imperfect science. Yeah. Um, but we're going to get better as a result of this uh, effort. Yeah. Well, I'd be nervous. I'd, like my shovel was going to go through old wood that's <sighs> just been sitting underground for years. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Never mind the old wood. How about those rucksacks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No yeah. I mean, that's honest. Yeah. 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 Well, and yeah, and the reason I am, I was like, I was noticing, I was just looking up a little bit on Sadie Brown. It's like, oh, Flossie Bush is, is buried there. Yes, yes. Um, and I knew, I knew Flossie, and it's like, oh, wow. Did yeah, you really? Sure. Oh, wow. Yeah, Flossie and, and uh, Sissy was a good friend of mine. Okay. Um, yeah. Treak and uh, uh, yeah, those guys. Uh, you knew Treak Peak? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you mean Sissy as in Sissy Treak's sister. Right. I thought you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought yeah. you meant the uh, the other Sissy. His cousin, John Bush, is actually living uh, here in West Plains now. I don't know if you knew John or not. Yeah, I knew John. Uh, yeah, but me and me and Treak were running buddies uh, for a while there. <laughs> well, don't tell anybody. You might, you might still have a. A wanted uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a warrant, an outstanding yeah. open warrant from back in the day that you need to go get settled, John. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> we were up to no good, that's for sure. <laughs> Do you remember what his uh, nickname was? I don't. It was Boogie. Boogie. That's Boogie, right. yes. Boogie. I do remember <laughs> that. Boogie, yeah. He didn't care for it, so I didn't call him Boogie. No, no. <laughs> well, it was funny. It was only family and only family and very, very close friends that uh, were lacking to family that could call him uh, Boogie. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his sister, really, of course. <laughs> right. right. I was really trying to get his attention. Maybe mm-hmm. across the long haul people. Boogie! But <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, John, yeah. only you can get away with that uh, boogie business, man. Right. Yeah. Fun guy to hang out with, though. Yeah. Yeah. We had some good round times. But yeah. Yeah. I was amazed at that. I was like, oh, and I guess uh, she passed uh, like 2002 or something like that. Yeah. She's been gone for quite some time. Yeah. She, you know, a lady that uh, lived uh, her whole life here in West Plains and. You know, just just uh, I call them staples of the community. Mm. knew knew everybody, and those that knew her knew exactly what she was and what she wasn't, and right. it was all accepted. And that's one th- one thing I love about West Plains. You know, you know who people are and who they aren't, uh, and you're accepted anyway. Um, right, right. Yeah. So I, I love that about uh, our community here. Yeah. yeah, there are a lot of good people. There are some, you know, there are some things that I'm just kind of not proud of that have happened there, too. Sure. I won't go sure. into that. But, Absolutely. Um, you know. Sure. I think the same can be said for really any any location that I've lived in, not maybe directly uh, um, impacting of me, but, but certainly uh, things that have happened that communities aren't proud of. Right. You know, I think it's a testament to the fact that I'm back here in West Plains 
certainly uh, sends the message what I, of what I think of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tr- truth in lending. My parents did have a little something to do with it. Uh, they, they, they weren't willing to come to Houston, Texas, and I couldn't leave them, leave them here by their, themselves uh, at, at that age and stage yeah. in life. And, yeah. uh, I tell you, I've been enriched, uh, enriched by just being close to them since yeah. I've been back. Family will bring you home or, or bring your family to you, you know, Indeed. one or the other. You know, you know what's funny about West Plains, man? You know, West Plains people will remember what you have done if it's sports related uh, forever, <laughs> forever. Oh, yeah. So I can't tell you how many times I've gone to Walmart and or gone, you know, Walmart, that's the uh, unofficial meeting place of uh, every <laughs> class, you know, that you have unofficial class reunions uh, every Saturday at two o'clock at Walmart, you know, because <laughs> right. you see everybody, you see everybody. Uh-huh. But, you know, so I, so, so I started going at midnight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, I'd go to Walmart and, you know, somebody would say, you remember back in, 1987 when you ran that touchdown it was an 80 yarder there we were in houston we were down by two touchdowns and blah 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 and you know of course i'm going to be gracious and shake my head sure. and say, of course yeah thank <laughs> you for remembering yeah, thank you glad hand glad hand uh, and, and my wife is nudging me like really again uh, <laughs> she's right. like is, is, and then, you know my wife she helps to keep me grounded it, is, you know, it wasn't like you were walter payton or nothing <laughs> or it wasn't like you were sweetness or you you, you know you weren't the real life tony dorsett or <laughs> she she's she's good about telling Telling me what I was not, and you know, why is it that they remember uh, my football annex as if I played in the NFL or something? I said, you know, that's 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 the way it is. It's Zizzer Nation. They sure. they, re- they remember. Oh man, their sports yeah. heroes, and for sure. us, Zizzer football on Friday night. Hey, we oh had, man, we had Friday night lights before the movie. Baby. Oh yeah, a religion <laughs> there. Absolutely, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, rifled only by Texas, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. I lived in Texas. It's pretty crazy down there. They're rabid about uh, their sports and their athletes, and yeah, you know. And there's there's a certain level of nostalgia for me to come back and 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 have people to remember. I laugh about it. We, my wife and I, we jab each other about it all the time. But uh, you know, that's one element of home that uh, can't be replicated anywhere else in the world that I've lived and gone. They don't know about the touchdowns I ran, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've got some I've got some non sports related Crockett stories I'd be happy to share. Oh, man. oh my gosh, you're one of you're probably one of few here in West Plains, so please go ahead and shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Let me defend myself, Matt, against those uh <laughs> rumors and lies. <laughs> this one this one's actually I think this one's funny, but uh, like I had understand if you wanted to not included, but th- this was like third or fourth grade. Mm-hmm. I remember we were uh, sitting in the cafeteria having lunch, and you offered me a drink of your milk and told me it- I'd turn black if I drank it. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did I do that? <laughs> yeah, you, I'm pretty. No, it might have been the. No, there were no other black kids, so I'm pretty sure that would have been you. Right, I, right, and so and so, Matt quickly drank that milk and said, Crockett, uh-huh. <laughs> my brother. <laughs> we gave each other this old brother hug and it's been on ever since, man. It's been on. <laughs> I remember thinking, I think he's joking with me. Yeah. 
Uh, give me that milk. <laughs> give me that. Let's slow down. I will have milk with you anytime, my man. Let's Mom, go. it's me, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but you look like little Michael. No, it's me, Matt. <laughs> nah, that's too funny. Yeah, I thought I, I still think of that story. It just makes me laugh every of time. Of course, you shouldn't edit that out. You know, that's 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 a great segue to just my overall thinking about race relations in America. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, people should think about their relay race uh, in, a, in a way that's not um, disabling to anybody, not least themselves. It's uplifting because mm-hmm. I think that that's what makes this country great. Just the, it's a melting pot, right? It's, right. it's, it's a country of, it's a country of immigrants. And, Absolutely. Some stories are more prolific and uh, uplifting than others, but at this, at the at the end of the day, it's it's about the story and it's about the culture and it's about you know what you know your your community and what you can give back to it and how that that can uplift uh, everyone around. Sure. So, yeah. So yeah, that's a good way to look at it. You can drink my milk any day, man. I wish I had some more <laughs> to offer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's probably why my hair went curly. <laughs> right? So, um, <laughs> well, it was loose curls. Not <laughs> right, loose yeah. curls, not tight curls. So, yeah. <laughs> A little ode to uh, the uh, the bio, the, the dual race there. <laughs> <laughs> Could yeah. be. You never know. Yeah. yeah. What, what other interesting Crockett Oak stories have you got? Oh, let's see. I told you about, off the mic, I told you about the... Uh, Guy telling me, well, that was sports related that you hit harder than anybody had ever see, been. See, it's hard. It's hard to carve out sports, but I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that my legend extended far beyond West Plains. Uh, what was it? One of those Ozark Nixa Republic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It went up 63 North a little ways. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. No, well, I'm still waiting to get my comic books back, man. <laughs> Tell me about this. That was kindergarten, man. I loaned you comic books and I oh, never got them back. That's I'm great. pretty sure. I sold them just last year, man. That was the one I got a thousand bucks for, Matt. Right? I think it was a Fantastic Four number one. And hey, right. hey, you, you know what's funny, John? Uh, I was jabbing Matt. I, I, you may have been on the phone at the time. I said, "Man, did I did I beat you up? Did I take your lunch money? Did I, you know, did I bully you? I'm glad I didn't bully you." And then uh, here he is now on on air telling me that I owe him for his comments. <laughs> right. You see, you see how he hustled me. Right. <laughs> uh, no, no, uh, long game. He hustled me, man. Here, take your comic books. I still have them. You can have them back. <laughs> yeah, it's a long game. He's like, yeah, oh, there start was a kindergarten, man. Those books, I'm sure, were just like covered in filth and wrinkled yeah. up. And sure. no, it's, it's a long game. Dying. He was like, okay, I'll start a podcast with you. But three years in, yes, I got to get yes. these comics back. <laughs> hey, Matt, what do you think I offered you a drink of my milk? That was uh, Mia Copa. That was homage, man. Brother, that was payback. <laughs> Uh, hey, I, I don't just it. offer my milk to anybody, man. <laughs> I bet you don't. <laughs> uh, John, I, I'm, I'm a bit sad that Matt didn't realize what I was trying to do to make you know make up for, <laughs> make up for the dog eating his comic books or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I appreciate well, it. I, in retrospect, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> sure. You should be Absolutely. grateful. Remember yeah. what I just right. said about race relations? You should be more grateful. <laughs> <laughs> All opportunities. Yeah, man. Come on. Well, See, uh-huh. hey, guys. Guys, I thought this was going to be like the Howard Stern show. So I'm, I'm, wow, I'm, man, I'm, we can I'm, get it. We're, yeah. we're, we're holding back. Trust me. We, get, <laughs> sure. we, we can be foul mouthed. And, yeah. Be tame. So <laughs> <laughs> my wife said. She's like, be good. You don't want to wind up on a government watch list. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I still got those kind of connections. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You'll yeah. be like, I haven't, I haven't been getting pulled to the side every time I go to the airline. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that van sitting outside of our our, our door? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn, Crocodiles, call them off! <laughs> you ever get people asking you for favors? And what well, type? Yeah, well, just <laughs> related to those connections. Yeah, yeah, you got some connections. You know, over over the years, what I have found myself doing in, in the realm of favors is just legal questions, especially mm. in the law law enforcement space. So you know, no one wants to implicate themselves, right? And right. so they'll start out the conversation. About, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I got this friend, you say, and, <laughs> and, and you know, you used to be a fed and all. So I just want to run this past you, you know, so I can give him proper mm-hmm. advice, you know, and help them out of their little situation. Right. You know, it's, it, 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 you notice everything. It's always a little situation. Right. By the mm-hmm. time they spin the story, I'm like, my man, that ain't no little situation. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. He's looking at 20 to 40, man. You know, he's talking about a little situation. Well, you know, I may have, I mean, my friend may have <laughs> advertised yep. that he was able to do this investment deal, but mm. it went south for him, and therefore it went mm-hmm. south for his many, many investors. So I'm like, okay, mm. so when did it go south for him, and when did he stop advertising, and was there ever the possibility for this investment uh, opportunity to unfold, i.e., did you do what you said you were going to do? Right. <laughs> Well, you see, uh, oh, I see how you work that in there with your FBI <laughs> trips. It's my friend. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me. He may have not done right. everything that he was supposed to do, right. but but I had nothing to do with it, officer. I mean, Crockett. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I see where this is going. So I, th- those are the types of favors that I get uh, asked over the years. Yeah. Um, yeah, And, you know, I'm always happy to help and, and give my perspective on those types of things. Because people, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable to me. And maybe it's just because I, I've been a practitioner of the law for a number of years, how ignorant people are of the law. Uh, and, yeah, sure. and, 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 you know, it says very clearly that ignorance of the law is no excuse. But, right. you know, uh, I, I think people go deaf on that point and they probably should understand their rights um, and understand what, you know, what the, the boundaries of legal considerations are for mm-hmm. themselves. Like, for instance, when the cops tell you <laughs> you have the right to remain silent. I can't think of one good scenario uh, that you would not exercise that right. <laughs> right. I could not think of one good reason why you wouldn't exercise it. Yeah. I'd be like, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Are you okay back there? I'd just be shaking my head. I'm not saying mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm exercising my right to remain silent. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you're giving us a heads up for that uh, tap you've got on our phone right now. <laughs> when they show up tomorrow, I would just be quiet if I were you guys. Oh, you, you government conspiracy theorist. Conspiracy theorist. Keep your mouth shut. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you, Big Brother's not everywhere, but Alexa is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Hey Google is. <laughs> yep. Right. Hey, while you're worried about your phones being tapped, why would I need to do that with a series? <laughs> right. series exactly. R- series right there listening to every word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a meme on that, John. Uh, you had that meme. Mm. You know, people in the 50s worrying about wiretap. <laughs> right. <today. laughs> yeah. Hey, wiretap, give me a recipe for a lasagna. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, it's become so convenient, fellas, that uh, people people just are oblivious to the fact that, you know, bad things can happen to good people when you let Siri listen to everything that you say and do. Sure. <laughs> right. Sure. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's in their weird coincidences that happen. You know, I can talk about donuts. I've had this one happen. I just had talked about donuts with my wife mm-hmm. and like the next time I open up the phone, here's a donut ad for you. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that when you Google something that's retail related or product uh, related, that you then start getting blasted on Facebook and all your social mm-hmm. media outlets with that with that thing that you were looking for? Oh, yeah. Or you go and search on Amazon for something, and then all of a sudden, every retailer that's uh, worth their salt starts bombarding you with that product. Isn't exactly. That weird? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be weird, fellas. It no. should be. It should be an acknowledgement that uh, things that the government has to have an ability to uh, understand its threat environment. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. So when did you when did you start working in you know public service and working in justice and, and the military? Or so let's say when did you sign up for the military? Great question. Um, it was in 1988. I was still in high school. Uh, enlisted in the army in November of 1988, literally about a month after, ah, maybe three weeks after football season, my senior year. And then I started affiliating with the uh, army reserve unit in Jonesboro, Arkansas. That was my very first, uh, Mm. uh, military unit. So I started driving from West Plains to Jonesboro on drill weekends, uh, while I was still in high school. Right. That's a pretty drive. Yeah. 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 And so from there, military and then I guess law enforcement uh, history was in night. So I'm a criminal justice major, mm-hmm. got a uh, bachelor's and master's in criminal justice uh, administration from University of Central Oklahoma. Go Broncos, go Broncos. Go Broncos. <laughs> yep. Joined the Oklahoma City Police Department in 1992. Oh, wow. 1992. And was a police officer uh, in Oklahoma City. Um, for about four years, uh, and then I went to the FBI. Wow. I uh, was recruited to go to the FBI following my uh, completion of my master's degree in criminal justice from University of Central Oklahoma while I was a uh, police officer in Oklahoma City. And so if you do your triangulation, I joined the Oklahoma City Police Department in 1992, and mm-hmm. I left in 1996. Do you guys remember what happened in April? Oh 19, my God. 19th, 1995. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. So you were there for that? I was there for the Oklahoma City Jeez. City bombing of the Alpha Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building. Wow. So I was a first responder. Wow. Uh, so that's that's the big story that uh, resonates with me uh, as an Oklahoma City police officer. Wow. Uh, I, I was also a dare uh, officer. That was very rewarding working in schools, mm-hmm. uh, helping kids to, you know, understand uh, what, uh, you know, drug related threats look like mm-hmm. um, and, and but to be a first responder for the Oklahoma City bombing uh, was was amazing oh my uh, god in, re- in retrospect it was very frightening and actual in real time but but oh yeah in retrospect because get this check this out so uh-huh. I was a first responder for the Alfred P Murrah uh, federal building bombing uh-huh. I joined the FBI in 19 19- uh, 96 July 1996 uh, Timothy McVeigh the uh, perpetrator of mm-hmm. the uh, bombing mm-hmm. uh, went on trial and as an FBI agent out of the Houston division I was a part of the uh, SWAT team I was, worked uh, with the uh, tactical operations center deployed to Denver during his trial to oh. provide security because there was uh, oh, wow. fear that uh, that you know that somebody was going to take him out yeah. Somebody was going wow. to perpetrate another terrorist act, uh, either in his honor or in his, uh, you know, uh, in an effort to to get him. Wow. And so, you know, I was I was there for the bombing, and then I was there when he was convicted. Wow! Wow! Yeah, so. I can't imagine. I mean, that is, dude, you are Forrest Gump. <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm West Plains Forrest Gump. <laughs> and I went and I went to Langston University and found my Jenny <laughs> and brought my Jenny back to West Plains. Her, her, mm-hmm. name, her name is Tanya Oaks. Hi, <laughs> yeah. Tanya. That's how Hi, we yeah. yeah. Good wow. university. I'm, I'm sure it's affiliated with me, too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, in Langston, Oklahoma. I forgot that uh-huh. connection. That's where my uh, wife graduated. She's a uh, Langston Lion. Yeah. I pledged. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, tell you guys that I pledged in the greatest fraternity on, on the earth, uh, Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. I was a, uh, some would say, a Q-dog. I'd, I, I'd say that. <laughs> I'm an Omega man. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, my wife's a Delta there. She plays Delta Sigma Theta. So there we go. I, hey, honey, I got all, all the uh, checkoffs here. She told me on the podcast to remember to say this, say that, mention this, mention that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going through my list here, guys, and I think I checked off on most things. Most right of on. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So yeah, like I was saying earlier too, I'm going to lead you to Kiev. What was that? 2017? Yeah, yeah. I uh, lived in Kiev, uh, Ukraine um, Mm. from 2017 through summer of 2018. So it was about uh, just a little over a year. Um, Interesting thing about Kiev, Uh the thing that stands out, never mind working in the embassy, uh, working with uh, Maria Yanukovych, the uh, Mm -hmm. ambassador that was uh, really criticized and ostracized. True. Uh, over, uh, she sounded like such a pro, though. Yeah, she she was great. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed working with her. She was a consummate professional. She's everything I think that uh, the U.S. would want uh, embodied within their uh, uh, ambassador core, hmm. uh, really. Uh, and and as well as George Kent, who was her uh, deputy there at the consulate. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you had 
uh, external actors that would come into country and uh, really uh, run a try try to stand up and run a shadow diplomacy. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a, a shadow mission um, outside of that was that was sanctioned and ordained by uh, the U.S. Uh, embassy. Mm. So it was it was interesting times. I was the uh, deputy chief of the Office of Defense Cooperation uh, there in Kiev and mm. uh, worked for Colonel uh, Bob Peters. I was a lieutenant colonel at the time, and we had a team of uh, nationals, Ukrainian citizens that worked to help us to uh, further the U.S. mission uh, within the Ukrainian military to provide, identify, and uh, provide armament. Huh. Uh, and, and so I I would say here's that another Forrest Gump moment. Yeah. Um, there, there we were in 2017, 2018, you know, interacting with generals and uh, senior ranking officials about what they thought they would need in the event that Russia invaded ukraine right play it forward three years what happened right russia invaded ukraine and so wow i i you know i'm watching the news stories when it first happened um it it, it feels like everything that we planned for and what we talked about and what we theorized would happen you know did did play out It, it it is it is happening and so that was the epiphany for me with regard to my military career, because I was mm-hmm. an army reserve guy that, that, you know, at a, at a fairly senior level as a Lieutenant Colonel, well, yeah. they got, they got deployed, uh, to, to do a pretty serious job for the U S government as a reserve guy. Yeah. And, uh, that, that we were doing then has so much impact on how, how it is played out for them now. Right. I mean, that was my biggest question probably was just, I mean, was it in your mind the time just a contingency or is it something you saw coming down the pipe? You know, with uh, the president that Russia has, Mm -hmm. never know. And you, you know, within government, we always plan for worst case scenarios. Right. And then if, and if it doesn't happen, we're pleasantly surprised and relieved. But, um, yeah, that's that's how you plan. So, yeah. did I ever think that Russia would uh, invade Ukraine? Well, mm-hmm. if you think about what happened um, when they took over um, Crimea, mm-hmm. um, that's that's certainly an indication that they would have the appetite to do right, it. Right. Yeah. Um, and and what's going on in the Donbass region? What was going on even at the time? Because they were engaged in war with Russia at the time, but it was. Uh, oh, only, only within the Donbass region, which is the eastern quadrant of the country of Ukraine, uh, and so they were shooting volleys back and forth, yeah. uh, you know, on that border. Huh. Um, so it, it wasn't too far of a of a quantum leap right. to envision that you that Russia would invade Ukraine. Right. I saw this was just the other night. I saw this guy. I didn't catch the whole thing. I can't remember his name, but he talked about kind of doing research and just kind of developing an idea for, you know, what they thought a Russian invasion would look like. And it was really interesting because he talked about, you know, we found the routes, like the highways that had the the most gas stations with liquor in them. Hmm. Oh, the Russians would all be down like four flat tires right. for that route. <laughs> right. And they were like, they're going to take that route. 
they're going to invade their liquor store, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> they stopped at every one of them. Booby trap those yeah. liquor stores. <laughs> Booby trap it. There's like tons of video of Russians yeah, looting yeah. liquor stores. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, huh. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that was really interesting how much. <laughs> it was a resource. That's putting a lot of thought into it. Yeah. Put a pressure bomb under every vodka bottle <laughs> right. from, from, from the border of Russia through Ukraine and maybe you take them out with one, one single bottle shot at a time. You know? Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Genius. Was he right? Yeah, he was right. Yeah. He said that they, that was the route they Brilliant. took. You know, yeah. That, yeah. Oh, so I love, thought that was. For the love of vodka. Yeah. <laughs> as they say yeah. over there for the love of Waka. Yeah. Waka. Waka. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, and I think I think Putin just thought we were at a weak moment and he was gonna exploit it and then he was disappointed to find out we still had some backbone. Yeah. You know, the will the will of the Ukrainian people uh, is is really, I think, the element that he underestimated. Mm, so, yeah. never mind the, the 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 money that the U.S. and other um, uh, allies uh, pump, will pump into Ukraine and continue to pump into Ukraine. It's the will of the people because if you think about what happened when Russia marched into, uh, they didn't march; they strolled into Crimea and took uh, and took uh, mm. that that. That sector of their of the Ukrainian people's land, uh, what happened? Nothing. That's right. Yeah. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing happened. Yeah. And, and so I think they just thought that it was going to be the same thing. Right. And I think the black eye that the Ukrainian people took as a result of some would say not standing firm and defending their land, even if it's uh, an area that they didn't regard as you know their 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 seat you know seat of government. And, you know, it's still their sovereign territory. And right. I think that they felt, uh, as, the, as we would say, some kind of way uh, about how the world responded to their lack of fight. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, they overcompensated on this go around. <laughs> it's incredibly yeah. impressive yeah. how hard they fought back and what all they've done. Mm-hmm. Zelensky wasn't in yet when you were there, right? He wasn't. It was uh, Poroshenko. Poroshenko. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was... Uh, uh, the confectioner. He was a chocolate chocolatier. Yeah. Huh. Um, he, he owned um, Roshan, uh, one of the uh, largest uh, chocolate uh, manufacturers huh. in all of Ukraine, and it is very good chocolate. Hmm. President Poroshenko, if you're hearing this, if you're listening to this, you owe me some money for that advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's going to be rushing out to get Roshan right. chocolate, you know. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, you know, yeah. U.S. is uh, number one import of 2022. <laughs> right on. Roshan yeah. chocolate from Ukraine <laughs> yeah. because of the Matt and John show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna see some Enron money off of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. well, I mean, this question may put you a little on the spot, but I mean, with that regard, I mean, aside from just like posting your outrage on social media. What can people do? I mean, what do you think the average citizen, kind of the best avenue they can go down to support Ukraine? Uh, you know, what can they do if they're not on the front lines, you know, here in America? You know, that's a good, good question, John. And, and, and when I sit back and reflect upon how I have chosen to support Ukraine, there's, there's some good, credible organizations out there that are trying to provide aid to Ukraine. Um, I would look on um, the uh, website for the State Department to see if you can get some clues and indication of who those um, 
who those entities are and um, obviously let your money be uh, a form of support. But outside of that, I would say continue posting, con- continue wearing your T-shirts, continue putting the Ukrainian flag in your yard mm-hmm. because it's through that awareness that people are talking about it. See, I would have never thought that I, I would be having a conversation on Saturday night at 8 o'clock mm-hmm. podcast talking to my, my buddy Matt Langston from head start uh i'd never think i'd be talking about ukraine but it's through that level of awareness that i think people are going to ask the more difficult questions of our government and our state representatives and our federal representatives what are we doing can we do more is is what we are doing do we assess that to be enough right what what hey more importantly what are our european allies doing are they doing enough? Is there any level of pressure that we can support you in putting on them to step up to the plate and, and defend their backyard country, Ukraine? Defend Ukraine, because if Ukraine goes, then others stand the chance to be victims as yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's what I p- think people need to really appreciate. Why should we care about Ukraine? Because it is the, the closest democratic country to russia it it borders russia and it's and it's more idyllic of western ways and thinking and democracy than than any other country that that's there yeah we should care we should care about ukraine absolutely do you find a lot i i i'm already know my thoughts on it but like in where you are now west plains that part of the country Man, people gobble up a lot of disinformation. Yeah, yeah. There, there is disinformation here. And I think that people choose to be uh, unknowledgeable on reality uh, because it's easier and it fits a narrative that, that, that we might not even appreciate or know. But it fits a narrative that, that somebody is trying to push to exploit these people. Hmm. You know, I think that, you know, you think about it, if, if somebody tells uh, another false information, you have to wonder, what are they getting out of it? Right. What benefit is it to keep people ignorant about what reality is? Is it that the reality of the situation is 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 to to a detriment of 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 the of the person telling the story or what is it that would keep you or what? convince you that it's better to lie and or skew the truth than to tell it. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh-huh. I mean, and it's power. I, I mean, that's my philosophy. My belief is uh-huh. that it's just power. Personal power. Game, it's power. Yeah. Harnessing power for yourself. Yeah. If I right. People, if you get people to believe a bunch of BS, you got followers. Uh-huh. Right. And they'll give you ignorant. money. Yes. If, yeah. I, if I keep people ignorant, um, that means the issues that really they should be caring about that are really of most impact to them, maybe they'll let me slide on that. Maybe they won't hold me accountable for that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What were your thoughts, speaking of Ukraine, going a little bit further back, right, with the whole scandal with like the, you know, trying to pay for play, basically. You want your uh, weapons, you're going to have to drum up some info on a hunter. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things where pay for play. It's 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 unfortunate that the Ukrainian people in that scenario, if in fact that happened the way it was portrayed, it's unfortunate that they would be used as a pawn. And, and when they when they're when they're 
the threat of oppression and the threat of tyranny coming over their borders was so real and so palpable. It's, it's like trying to hold water from a starving, thirsty man. Right. Uh, you know, he will tell you anything. Most likely he will, you know, be most vulnerable because you are key to his success with fulfilling that need. And so I applaud the Ukrainian people for standing up. And even though they needed those weapons and they needed our support in that regard, they stood up and they didn't fold. And and, and as my as my uh, brother would say, they didn't give way to the okie doke. Right. <laughs> they didn't right. fall for the okie doke, and they right. and they and they stood their ground, and subsequently they they got their weapons, and things you know things were okay again. But uh, they didn't fall for the okie doke, fellas. Right. It shouldn't have played out the way it did. They shouldn't have had to go through that. That's right. It's quid pro quo, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I found like just in what I witnessed and listened to like the what was it Vindman? yes he seemed like by far the most credible person yes yes lieutenant colonel Vindman and his brother the the lawyer yeah. uh Vindman. they're twins yeah. aren't they can yeah. you believe it yeah yeah and they joined the u.s army ukrainian citizens and great story just that you yeah know? yeah indeed Indeed, and you know it's 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 fortunate it's it, it's fortunate that they chose the uh, the U.S. Army as a way to uh, uh, Americanize themselves uh, and be a part of the uh, institutions of this country that make it so great. But um, it, it's the story of how they ended up coming from Ukraine to the U.S. and everything. I think is a story in and of itself. You're you're exactly right. That's, that's a story in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. And it took balls to say something. Yeah. 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 It, it, I, you know, I wonder what others would have done. And, and I wonder if because they were Ukrainian citizens and had that nationality pride. Right. Did that cause them to, again, as we've been talking about, stand up? Did that give them the impetus to stand up? Would we have done it uh, as as Americanos? Would we have done that? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, to speak ill of uh, the commander in chief, uh, you know, understanding <laughs> what the consequences of that could be. Uh, I don't know. But, <laughs> I yeah. don't know if we would have done it or not. That's a hard thing to say. And yeah, I mean, just, kudos to him. They, hats off. Cause yeah, I know that yeah. was a sacrifice. You know, people can say he's in it for all kinds of reasons, but yeah. you don't do that shit unless you're really concerned right. about what's going on, because that's going to upheave everything in your life. That's asking for death threats. Oh, yeah. right? That's asking for peace going away. Yeah, It's not like, Oh, I'm going to get glory out of it. That's putting a big target on your back, Absolutely. your forehead, your stomach, your your trousers, <laughs> on your car. You just put a target on everything that's in your family and that of your family. You just put a target on everything that you probably know and love. <laughs> you know, and sure enough, it played out just like that for him and his brother. It played out. Yeah. Oh, there's still people that hate them. Just be just because he said, "Hey." I was listening in on the conversation, and this is what I heard. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and the recording supported that fact. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it gets back to what we said about, you know, the truth and people, you know, why do people choose to embark upon misinformation, disinformation? Because when people know the truth, um, then they have, they stand a good chance of doing something about it. And maybe that's, right. that's the whole point. They and don't what, want things to be done about it. What I worry about right now is some people, I think we're in a place where some people have become so invested in lies that it's like their whole identity. Well, yeah, they, 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 and getting them to separate from that means stop being who I am is basically what you're telling. Right. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that. Right. People are paying me good money to continue with this uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Campaign of deceit and deception. Uh, so, yeah, that's a very astute point that you made. It, it all comes back to money, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. Follow the money. Yep. Yeah. And it really does. Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. Special it's, interest groups and this and that. Mm-hmm. But it's funny how when people start getting brave, more people start to get brave after them. Right. And we're starting to see a lot of that with the commission stuff that's going on. Emboldened. Isn't that the million dollar word? They get emboldened. Mm-hmm. <sighs> They're so mm-hmm. emboldened. They're emboldened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's gotten emboldened after they, you know, right. realized that uh, you know, uh, yeah. their lives are at stake. Yeah. Y- yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think some of it are some of them are people being patriotic, some of them are trying to save their ass. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what's a, uh, a week in the life for uh, Crockett Oaks? What, what, what do you got coming up next week? Uh, I mean, what does a week look like for you? Well, you know, I work at Missouri State University, West Plains. Uh, mm-hmm. Go Grizzlies. Um, Grizzly. I'm the uh, direct, director of business and support services. And so, you know, uh, a work week there is, is pretty fast paced. Uh, coming into the uh, school year, um, our school starts um, August the 20, uh, what is it, 23rd? Mm-hmm. Right, right around the corner. Soon. Yeah, it's, it's, it, so it's right around the corner. So uh, a day in the life for me, I think it's August the 22nd. So a day in the life for me is making sure that we have the campus ready to receive our students, uh, faculty will be returning from vacations and conferences and all the great things that they do over the summer in preparation, keep their knowledge and skill set up so that we can uh, educate um, our students mm-hmm. to the very best of our abilities. Um, you know, uh, Missouri State University West Plains is a, uh, a junior college. It's a community-based college. And so it's fully expected that our students will get all of the educational needs satisfied here at Missouri State and then move on to other four-year institutions to finish up. Yeah, I did a couple of semesters there. Sure. Great. Great. Would you attest to the fact that it's a great education, Matt? Yeah, it was a good education. I had fun. All right. Yeah, and then you were able to transfer, cat- catapult uh, your success from MSU West Plains to, was it Drury? Yeah, I ended up uh, graduating, getting my uh, BA in theater from Drury. Your master's came from? And then, yeah, my master's in counseling I got from Stevens in uh, Columbia, which is a women's in college. Columbia. That's what I was going to say. Matt, you yeah. went to the women's school? I did. Oh, you, you're a bad boy, Matt Langston. You're a bad boy, man. Good for you. Good for you. Kudos. How was it? I, when I went to Kemper Military Academy, that was the source of my commission in 1991, uh, Go Yellow Jackets, 
that was, you know, we would obviously hit the campus of the University of Missouri, but uh, yep. right across town was Stevens Women's College. Yep. And I can't confirm nor deny, since my wife is close by, uh, <laughs> that I ever stepped foot on that campus. <laughs> However, <laughs> academically, just academically, yes, yeah. they had a great, great library that rivaled the uh, <laughs> University of Missouri. So mm -hmm. I would spend plenty of time there, you know, <laughs> ensuring that I had the latest and greatest periodicals to uh, <laughs> write that paper. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's too funny, man. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah, yeah. And that you, was with his wife, so at the time, yeah. Is that where you met your, is that where you met your wife? No, no, I no. met her in Kansas City. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, she she went there before I did. We yeah. both kind of decided, okay, do we want to go back to school? Uh, and the you know, big life decision. Got a little toddler, and okay, well. We should probably get a master's. So she went <laughs> yeah, in right. and then I followed her after like a year or so. So my man, my man, that that is the proverbial fox guarding the chicken coop. Your <laughs> wife, your wife led you into the chicken coop, huh? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, that's love, baby. That's I know, love. I know. That's, that's love, did. confidence, and everything. Now, I'll <laughs> give her credit because I was, man, in my head, getting a master's degree, a degree was like, really intimidating like, yeah, yeah, I do yeah, that and then I got in and I'm like oh this isn't so bad I'm actually interested in this stuff that makes a difference you know I had a had a, a, a lady uh, she was a, a counselor at uh, uh, Keller Graduate School of Management and I went to inquire about uh, uh, affiliating so that I could uh, get my MBA because I thought, you know, if I'm going to be investigating white collar criminals mm. um, uh, with the FBI, I at least need to understand the legitimate way of business uh, transactions. Um, so I understood criminality, um, had a master's degree to prove at the University of Central Oklahoma in criminal justice, but I didn't fully have a, a, a good breadth in, of of legal transactions and terminologies in the business sector. So I, I, she told me this, Matt, she said, Hey Crockett, you know, you might as well go on and start this semester because in four years or, or two and a half years, however long it takes you to get your degree, you, you know, you, that time is going to go by God will, uh, that time is going to go by and whether you're in it or not, that time's going to go by. So wouldn't you rather have, uh, receive a master's degree in business administration in two and a half years or not. Why, why wait? The scenario uh, of life is going to take place whether you're in it or not. So why wouldn't you go ahead and be in it? Yep. And you know, that logic just kind of resonated with me. I, I said, I, I guess that's right. <laughs> what what else would I be waiting for uh, to start? You know, what, what else was there to wait on? So. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. And I, you know, once I did it, I'm like, oh, well, I could have done this before. <laughs> once I did it, once I did it, Matt, I thought, what the heck did I get myself into? Yeah, this is hard. No, that was, <laughs> this is difficult. That's it's time consuming. Point. Yeah, you get to that about three, three quarters of the way through. You're just like, <laughs> oh, what have I done? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. everybody else is watching Super Bowl on that Sunday night. And I'm, you know, I'm studying for, you know, tests that are coming up in the, the next week. And, Ooh, yeah. You know, <laughs> do, doing things that I didn't really want to do. But I can say now with hand on heart, it was 
obviously one of the better decisions I made in my life. Oh yeah. You can, you can't replace education. No, yeah. no it was worthwhile. A lot of people try, they try oh, to sure. replace it with knowledge, but you can't replace knowledge with education. No. You can't. Nope. Yep. I always say, you know, with, uh, you know, and people do have a point when they say that, uh, you know, being book smart isn't necessarily the end all be all. And that's true, but it does guarantee that you're literate. Right. (laughs) Indeed. And it at least gives people the opportunity to, to look at you closer. I mean, they don't automatically uh, get to screen you out. And then that's when you let your knowledge, the education gets you invited to an interview and then you let your knowledge shine. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. It shows you can jump through hoops, uh, you know, that's it, it. yeah. Shows that you can do that, but yeah. That's right. It. No, I, I agree. And I, I get irritated. So I think there's almost like there are some people that they really just resent people that are educated and that mm-hmm. makes me sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 um, it's interesting because you have people that are like that, that work hard to try to, uh, prove the point in their minds and externally too, that you see education ain't all that because of look at, look at this. Right. And, and you know, you know what that's about. You know, it's about, uh, you know, shaming of sorts. It's a form of bullying, right? And, you mm-hmm. know, and it's and it's really as a counselor, Matt. I know you know it's insecure. It's it's personal insecurity. No, and mm-hmm. it, it is. You know, you, they then they project it like you think you're better than me, and I'm like, no, right. but I think you might think I'm better than you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I tell you, I, and, and I tell everybody, and it, this tends to disarm people when you start talking about education. Mm. For me, and I'm sure that there's an element of this that resonates with you all, it's about money, man. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's about a brother trying to make a little bit more money. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let's yeah. just keep it real, yeah. you know? Yeah, really. <laughs> That's that's on that's fair, right? I wasn't yeah, you know. I wasn't as interested in getting that extra piece of paper until I had a kid. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, you know, when people say that the uh, masters is the new bachelors and, and they're right, they're not talking about getting an extra, you know, an extra uh, quadrennial hat. They're talking about making some extra cash. You know? Exactly. And 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 institutions out there willing to pay you for having that level of discipline to receive right. that, to accomplish that, that milestone. Right. Stay in school, kids. Yep. Stay in school. That, that's the moral of this story is <laughs> all of this to say yeah. <laughs> school is cool. School is cool. <laughs> it yeah, is. So you can, you can, uh, trick a, trick a third grader out of comic books and he still remembers <laughs> it to this very day. You can do all of those cool things at school. See, I probably would have forgotten about that if I hadn't been to college. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Man, we've got you locked in now. You'll uh-huh. never forget about it. This, pod- this podcast will exist. It's going to go around. It's going to be an eternity. Yeah. yeah. The magic milk. Crockett, yeah. a.k.a. the Gooch Oaks. Crockett, the Gooch Oaks. <laughs> Give me that comic book, little boy. 
<laughs> nah, I wouldn't like that. I, I'll I'll defend you on that. It was more like, hey, can Thank I borrow you. these comic books in kindergarten? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I want to cut some pictures out for my poster. <laughs> Matt's like, you didn't cut them, did you, Crockett? I don't know. What yeah. I, did them. I don't know. <laughs> hey, do you remember that uh, movie Life? Uh, your cornbread. <laughs> Give me those. You want your comic books? <laughs> I want my comic books. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that I got to catch up with you, though, too, because this has been fun, man. I've wondered kind of in the back of my, I'd, I'd see you. Oh, what? He's in the FBI? Yeah. Talk about some of this stuff, and absolutely, we finally got a chance to catch up. Because seriously, I've known you forever, man. Yeah, man, I'm glad I got to meet you. Yeah, it's really fascinating stuff. I really appreciate you guys inviting me to to talk um, about some things on your podcast. It's yeah, it's it's always in, in my mind's eye humbling when anyone cares to hear anything that you have to say, cares to hear your opinions, and. Uh, allow you to just just speak frank about whatever it is that you want to talk about so thanks guys for allowing yeah. me to do that now we didn't even talk about my time with uh shell oil company i'll have to get at you later on yeah. that. that that might be that might be part two yeah <laughs> i got yeah. i got plenty i got plenty of rhetoric to spru- spew about that uh-huh. forrest gump too yeah exactly yeah let's do that absolutely come back anytime man i, I had a great time yeah and really interesting stuff. And thank you. Thank you for all you've done, man, for your service. For sure. Thank you. And then you continued service, uh, you know, and not only yeah. in the government, but in the community. And You just retired, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I retired from um, the Army Reserve after 34 years, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah. 34 years. And they had a great uh, ceremony for me here at the uh, Armory in, in West Plains. And, ah, man. Uh, David Evans, our state rep, was there, gave me a resolution. Um, Later on that week, the mayor gave me a proclamation from the city of West Plains. The Daughters of the American Revolution made me me, a patriot of the month. And it's just the army showered me showered me with a bunch of love and uh, I'm just humbled and grateful for all of the uh, outward show of support. Right on. Thank you so much for, Thank you. for joining us, Thank man. You. And we definitely yeah. let's not wait another like thirty or so years to catch up. Yeah, <laughs> and, do, and do me a favor, gentlemen. When you uh-huh. are next in West Plains, let me take you out to wages and and indulge in a uh, cold beverage of your choosing. Sounds and, good. Uh, share, Sounds great. Share share a slice of pizza or something like that, and listen to some somebody cool singing playing. I so would love it. Let's yep. get together and do that. I, I'm I'm going to hold you accountable for that. Absolutely, so it's that. a deal. Yep, that's right. You got it. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on Undetermined, the podcast with our special guest tonight. Old, old, old friend. I don't want to sound like too old. I mean, you're still a young (laughs) man. Crockett Oaks Third, West Plains, Missouri, and my childhood. Spank you very much. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Thanks, Crockett. Thanks, man. Spank you. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Good night.